Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Mosaic Church. Uh, I am currently in Madison for a big tournament with my club volleyball team. Uh, I love technology. It gives me the ability to share the word with you today. And as we dig into, and actually we're going to be landing our love letters series that we've been in. So let's start off together just thanking God and worshiping in a word of prayer. Join with me, will you? God, we thank you for today. Thank you for your love for us that goes beyond all of our comprehension. God, love when we were just broken. Love even now as we sit here hurting, broken, trying to figure out life. Your love is just so big. And your love, your grace, your mercy, all because of what Jesus has done for us in the cross. So we worship you today. Spirit, speak into us as we process this big idea of what it means to love you and what it means to live our lives for you and your kingdom. Teach us, shape us, and mold us. Show us something new today. In your great name, amen. Well, I need not say that this is the big week, right? This is Valentine's week. There is going to be billions of dollars spent on cards and spent on candy and dates and of course, flowers, right? So uh, every girl's here like, woohoo, guys like, yeah, it's great things. But yeah, Valentine's, Valentine's. One of the things that's interesting about Valentine's, you know, we all know, like this was made up by Hallmark, right? To guilt us into buying cards, but there's an under, underlying kind of an undertone sweetness to the holiday. And that is we are intentionally taking time to show care, devotion, and maybe say some words we don't normally say to show how much we do care about somebody. So there's a sweetness that's to it, but it's very intentional. But the other piece of it, I want to process here is, is this actually a popular holiday? You ever think about it? Like, is Valentine's Day actually popular? Do people actually like it? And so I did a little uh, research to find out about what people actually feel about Valentine's Day. So this may surprise you a little bit. Uh, The survey was taken in 2023, and the top one may surprise you. Let's just go right to the top. What do you think the number one holiday is for us in America? There's 18 potential holidays that we celebrate or kind of celebrate. Uh, What do you think number one is? Ready for this? Thanksgiving. Let's go. Oh my word. I love Thanksgiving. I love the turkey. I love the stuffing. I love the cranberries that come in the can. Right? And then they keep the ridges because that's the only way cranberry should be served, if you ask me. But I love Thanksgiving. I love the football. I love the parades. I just love Thanksgiving. Number one, it's kind of shocking, isn't it? Because I bet you thought it was Christmas. Christmas is number two. Thanksgiving came in at 79%. Christmas, fair enough, came in at 78 So there's a little bit of a toss-up. And I'm willing to say most people believe that Thanksgiving is really just an extension of Christmas anyways. But whatever. I love, I love my Thanksgiving. But... Let's look at Valentine's Day. So there's 18 possible holidays. Where do you think Valentine's Day is going to rank it? The day of love, the day of emotion and sharing and loving people. Where do you think it lands? Ready for this? It lands at 14th out of 18. You know what it beats? April Fool's Day. Yeah, Valentine's Day has a 56% kind of like approval rating and 
uh, April Fools, 49. So, right, the day in which we lie and trick people and do stupid things, uh, that day is the next one, it, Valentine's Day? The day of love, the day that it seems like we're trying so hard to show our emotions and try to share with people how we feel about them ranks so unbelievably low. But if we think about it for a second, you think about what Valentine's Day is. Valentine's Day is a unique uh, holiday because essentially you're being forced to show somebody that you love them. Think about it. It's kind of like this social pressure that I'm going to spend time and try have to show somebody that I deeply care about them, but I kind of have to. Now, uh, I know different people have different views of it and, and all that, but I'm just, you know, guys, show, show your ladies that you care about, right? Like, let's do this. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. What I'm saying is that the holiday has a tension point because it's like a forced day. Forced. And so if that's true, we've got to beg the question, are forced acts of love actually love? If I have to do something, have to, and I do that because I feel an obligation, is it really love? Or does love require something? Doesn't love seem, it requires this free will. I have to want to show an action of love for it to be loving. So it's gonna beg us the question, are forced acts of love actually love? If I'm supposed to do something, I have to do something, is it loving or does love require an element of us to have a free will offering of an action that is loving? And that's what we're gonna dig into our passage today. Very, very important passage. Uh, this passage was vital for the people of Israel and is vital for us today. But this passage is coming in the book of Deuteronomy. We're gonna be in chapter six, looking at verses one through nine. And if you flip in your Bibles, your Bible apps, and we're gonna have it up above with us as well. See, this action, this what God is gonna be sharing is that love is the key to our relationship with him. But a little backstory, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt for approximately 400-ish years or so. And so as they are slaves there, God has now freed them and Moses is leading them. And as Moses is leading them, God is giving decrees and laws and telling the people of Israel, this is how you and I have a relationship. This is our relationship. And our relationship has guidelines and rules and our relationship we're kind of, you know, determining the DTR, determine the relationship. This is God and his people of Israel. And so as he's building this relationship with them, he's explaining to them what it means to follow him and what it means to be in a loving relationship with him. And so we're going to dig into our passage here, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. I'm going to read through it. Uh, feel free to read through as well. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me, this is Moses speaking, to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So this passage starts out pretty intense and it starts with this. It is vital, you who are hearing this, speaking to that generation, that you are the ones that are telling the generations to come about me. That your job is to teach them to love the Lord their God. It is your job, parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, that the next generations are going to know me and my decrees and know all of it is going to come through you. Listen to this passage again, verse 2. So that you, your children and their children after them, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Following God's ways, what we're supposed to be teaching these generations to come, our family, our grandchildren, on and on and on, we are supposed to be teaching them that the way that God offers us life is absolutely fulfilling. That the decrees and the laws of God, both for the Israelites back then and for all of us today, give us and offer us full life. The best life possible. That the God's ways are literally the best ways for us to live. Let's be honest. That's not really what we believe all the time, is it? So why am I making such a big point of this? Uh, when we look and see the instructions in the Word, let's just be honest, please, about our faith journeys. When we look at them, we think either, one, that's too hard and not obtainable, two, it's kind of optional, right? Or three, I don't like it. I don't want to do it. It isn't fun. It's making my life boring. Whatever we want to say, we look at the word of God as this kind of like, maybe I'll do it if I want to work towards that. I don't know. It's kind of meh. Meh, if you will, right? To quote Gen Z. It's kind of meh. And they're not seeing this. This is so important. We're not seeing the beautiful word of God and his ways and his decrees as offering us the fullest life possible. We're not seeing it as offering us the way that God created us to be. He's showing us that this is the best way possible. Now, in the Old Testament, there's tons of things there that were about how Israel was supposed to live when they were moving and a bunch of things that were there. And then Jesus comes and he doesn't say, hey, that doesn't count anymore. He says he fulfills it, which means he's making it all make sense for us. And then in the New Testament, the terms, the kingdom of God, this new term, the kingdom of God is like, he's explaining to us how we live our fullest life. And so this is so important that we see that God's ways are the best possible way for us. So let's take a topic that is just prevalent in our culture right now, our sexuality. Let's talk about our sex lives for a second. Uh, as believers, God has made it clear for us in the scriptures that there is a covenant relationship 
in a marriage, the covenant relationship, that means that we have made a covenant and there's a bind that comes, a, a binding that happens between this man and this woman and God. So in this relationship that, that is here, this binding relationship is the, the sexuality is the culmination of that covenant. It's a, a beautiful thing that happens in which these two have become one and that there's a specialness to that and a beautiful thing that God's created for us. God created sex. He created this. And he says, this is how I want you to use this. This is going to be so awesome. And then when you do this and you're going to build your families and this is how families are going to grow. And then as your families grow, you're going to talk about me and how awesome my life is that I have for you, my decrees and my laws. And you're going to pass this on to generation, to generation, generation. 2024 the American Christian church doesn't believe it anymore. The American Christian church at whole, okay? I'm not saying, we're not pigeonholing just you or somebody. As a whole believes, it's optional that the majority of Christian premaritals are seeing this as this is just old fuddy-duddy kind of, you know, that was an old religion of my parents and this is now, this is my sexuality, so who are you to say? Who are you to deny me of what I desire and what I want. This is not the way of God, gives just kind of more of a suggestion. And so now the ways of God are becoming kind of optional. And when it comes to our relationship with each other sexually and how that works out, this is now something that is mine to dictate because it fulfills my needs and I get what I want. So let's take this into, you know, I love talking about sociology and generations. I want you to process this for a second because I want to talk about Gen Z. Generation Z are the teenagers that are becoming adults now. And if you've been around anything in media, Gen Z has a very unique terminology and they have their own language just like ever, all of us had, right? No matter if you're a boomer or Gen X or millennial, we all had like our own terms and things that we said things. So do you know what Gen Z, Gen Z uses as a terminology of how many people that they have slept with? You ready for this? Maybe you know, maybe you don't. The term is body count. What is your body count? Which means, how many people have you slept with? Now, the term body count comes back from the gaming world, and the gaming world that when you are playing a game like a first-person shooter, you're killing people, and you're taking them out of the game, that that's body count. And so that's where it originated. So you got this terminology of bringing together how many people have you dominated and they're just in your past. They're in a body bag. What's your body count? The most beautiful, intimate thing that God created. He created so many wonderful things, right? This thing that's so sacred and so wonderful and such a gift from our master is being termed of how many people can I use and kill and throw away? That's really hard to hear because that's not what the Lord God said. So I'm going to ask the question because if we're doing what we want, the way that we want, do we see this freedom of sexuality making our culture better, happier, with stronger relationships? They are just exploding. Relationships are long-term. Everybody, you know, anxiety is gone. We find, you know, I'm being, obviously that's not what's happening but you're getting what I'm saying here. 
We think that we have the answer which is best for us and for humanity. The Lord God says something different. The Lord God is saying, listen to me, please. Hear me, Israel. Hear me. Hear me, Mosaic. Hear me, America. Listen, I have the way that is best for you, but you've got to listen to me. My way is better than your ways. You just have to listen. And we just use this one term, uh, this one idea of, of, how our relationship with sexuality has drawn off and so far from God's way. And there's so many different things we could look at. I want you to hear this, that it is our job to teach the next generation the ways of God. It is your job, mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, uncle, aunt, next door neighbor, I don't care, uh, those who are adopted, uh, adoptive parents, people who are fostering. It is our job to teach the way of God. And somewhere along the line, we said, well, that's the church's job. Here's our problem. People aren't attending church like they used to anymore. So now how are people learning and adorning the word of God in their lives, on their foreheads, on their bracelets, in their homes? And here's our problem. That, the, that God has such a beautiful way for us and he loves us so incredibly much. He's just saying to us, listen to me, people. Hear me. We have an answer that is so clear when we listen to God. It's so perfect. Follow what he said. That's it. Just follow him. Now, is it out of I have to or is it out of love that we follow him? Because if we love him, Jesus says this, if you love me, you, that you're going to obey my commands. That a portion of what this whole story is about and this whole thing that God's relationship with us isn't a forced Valentine's Day, one day a year, tell me that you like me and do what I've said. That's not what God is asking for. God is actually asking for all of us, all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, all of our future, all of our now. He's asking for us, whether we like it or not, to believe in him, to believe that his ways are better than our ways, to actually push all of our chips onto the table and saying, all in, because that is the way that we find the fullest life possible. It starts with us. Those of us who are older, are we telling the next generation that there are not options? Are we telling them that the way of God is the true way? And, and I'm not here to judge, guys. You know my heart, those who've listened to me for a while. I, I'm, I'm not saying this. I'm messing up, trying so hard. I'm not getting this right all the time. But just check me on this. Please hear this. Friend, are you modeling for the people who are watching you the decrees of God and living his way so that the next generation just doesn't hear you say it, but's watching you do it. Because that's discipleship. Discipleship is what our church is all about. And so I'm saying to you, like, are you, are you, mom, dad, grandpa, you all the list, right? Are you modeling what it looks like and means to follow the beauty of the Lord our God? Are you modeling a deep-seated love for him, for his word, for prayer? Are you modeling a life of disciple-making discipleship? Guys, I'm modeling it for you right now. 
I'm in a gym right now as you're watching this. And I'm there because I get the opportunity to share to the next generation by modeling what it looks like to be a follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. It's a great honor that I get to be able to do this. And I'm modeling for you that we need to be in our community for our community and start to send a resonating wave of love, not our love or our version of love, but the version of love that God has called all of us to. And that's where I want to pick up our passage now. Because the passage now moves in verse 4. And this beautiful uh, terminology we're going to talk about right now, we're going to hear these words. I'm going to explain to you what it is. Listen to this, uh, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. All the time. This is supposed to be all the time. And what are we supposed to be talking about all the time? It's this verse 4 and 5 called the Shema. The Shema is a Hebrew term which means to listen. So the Shema, this hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. The Shema was repeated over and over and over again, and it would be adorned everywhere. It would actually be on jewelry. It would be in their homes and on doorposts. This was so important that they knew two very important things. First of all, the Lord God is one, meaning he alone is God. There aren't other alternatives. There are not other options. So if you maybe have a little bit of a side belief of like, well, maybe God is a way, but there's lots of ways to God, lots of versions, and you know, maybe there's other pathways. Notice that the Lord God Almighty has said, no, that's not true. There's one way, and it's me. I alone am God. God comes in three parts. We call that the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. Uh, how God manifests himself, Father, Son, and Spirit, but it is God alone. Three persons, one God. I alone am here. So hear me, O Israel. There's just me. That is so important to be repeated to generations to come. So let's go back to our question time. Are we, as elders, older people in the culture right now, are we telling the next generation that there is one God and one God alone? Not, not a ton. Some of it, I mean, some places. I'm not saying we're, we're totally botching it, but let's just be honest. Is this something that we're repeating and talking over and over again that hear us, Gen Z, Millennial, Gen X, all of us, hear us, boomers. There is one God and one God alone. There's only the Lord God Almighty. And the Shema says this. First of all, there's one. Second of all, this. You need to love this God with everything that you are, your heart, soul, mind, strength, everything that you are, that our entire being is built on our love for God. And so we are all in for this one God, all in. Our heart is just full of our passion for God because out of that passion for God, our love for him, we now obey him. See where we're going with this? If you have a Valentine's Day love for God, a once a year, once in a while, fit it in kind of into my schedule love for God, 
then there's a huge problem that's going to happen. Your obedience to God, if you obey, is not coming from love. And most likely, if we're a Valentine's Day love for God, eh, I should probably do a little something. It's not our heart, soul, mind, strength. And so obedience is moving to impossible. Because it's our love of him that compels us to go out and to work and love and help and serve and parent and every these all these roles that we have in our lives. It all comes out of our passionate love for this one God. Notice how that Shema turns into this. Then he says, these commandments I'm going to tell you. Now you do them and keep talking about them over and over again. But it comes from this one God who loves you so very much and is calling you into a loving relationship with him. That's love. And as we look at that type of love, when we ask the question, is our love for God so full and so passionate, you're thinking right now either one, yeah, I'm there, Jay, I hear you. I'm, I'm rocking and rolling with it. Two, uh, sometimes I'm kind of not there, but there are moments in time. And then maybe three, no, Jay, that's not where I'm at. I, I, don't, I don't even really get what you're saying about that type of love and passion. I hear you. Remember, we're on a journey, friends. We're always moving. We're always on a journey. A mosaic, it's broken people coming together. And as your friend, as your pastor, as your coach, I'm saying this. We need to keep pressing to what God has called us to because God's way is better. So if we believe this, let's put this together. If we believe that his way is better and his decrees and laws are better, and we believe that he has the fullest life for us when we live in this, when he calls us to love him with all that we are, that is the best possible life for a human because we were created to love him. That's what we were made for. We were made to be in relation with the Lord God. We we're created in his image. We we're made to be loved and loved for him. That's how we're supposed to be made. The perfect relationship. And so he's inviting us back into the beauty of what this really can be. But maybe it's not that fun, right? Maybe we think his ways are kind of outdated. Maybe we think, I don't know. I mean, it kind of sounded like a Jesus freak, Jason. <laughs> you didn't figure it out. I am. <laughs> I love it. Because I found this. When I do things in the way of God, it brings freedom, life, and joy. It doesn't necessarily bring my pleasure all the time. Understand that, right? It doesn't mean my pleasure. It brings me fullness and purpose and joy, which is greater than any pleasure you can receive from anything else. When I decide to do things that I think are good, frustrations, it usually leads to some sort, honestly, sin. And so now my passion for God, I give my life all in for him and his cause. It's not just doing it because it's Valentine's Day type love. It's doing it because I'm in love with him all the time. But let me speak to this for a second, because if you walk with the Lord for a while, we go through seasons. We all have seasons where we feel so close to God. It's like, God, are you even here? And there's seasons that happen in our spiritual life that can feel like waves. Friends, that's normal. There are mountaintops and there are valleys. There are times when we feel his, his presence so close. It feels like, God, are you hearing me at all? And all of this is a piece of our relationship with him. It's, it's part of it. 
It's normal, if you will. And so when we have a relationship with him, not saying that you're always like right here all the time. In fact, the longer you're in a relationship with someone, anybody, you start to take that person for granted. As someone who's been married for 30, 40 years, you're like, yeah, you know, it's kind of, you kind of, the, 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 like the soft fuzzies have kind of worn off and, and you're there in that commitment and it takes work. It takes work to build a relationship for 30, 40 years. And if you've walked with the Lord for years, it takes work. It takes work to keep growing that relationship with him and to keep pressing forward. It takes work. Any good relationship does. And to love the Lord and the God with all that we are takes work and it takes obedience. It takes a heart that's all in. You ever hear that term before? You ever hear that term? Like someone says, ah, his heart's not really in it, right? Especially, you know, I'm a sports guy, and if you look at the different ESPN or all the columnists and the analysts, and you know, they'll talk about an athlete who just doesn't seem to like really be into what's happening. They say, man, his heart just isn't in it. You know, it doesn't seem like he really wants to, you know, go there, be there, whatever it would be. Or you see actions that they're doing, you're like, man, why would you do that as an athlete? You know, getting paid millions of dollars, and this is how you're reacting. There's a something that happened uh, a little bit ago. Uh, I'm an NBA fan, like the NBA. Uh, there's a player who was a first round pick, uh, first pick, number one pick overall, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons was known for not really caring, kind of just going through the motions. And there was a famous video that came out where he was in practice and what appears to be a phone in his pocket. Seems to be a phone in his pocket when he went through practice. And this is the whole thing. He was giving such little effort in this practice that his phone wouldn't even fall out of his pocket. Now, if you look at NBA players play, they are moving and they're sli I mean, sliding and running and jumping and all that. Like, there's no way. I'm not gonna play pickup basketball with my phone in my pocket, but here he is at an NBA practice and he's just kind of like, meh, it's kind of whatever. That is not what we wanna see as fans. As fans, I wanna see my stars all in Man, I paid how many dollars to get into this? And they're kind of just walking through the motions. And I've got, you know, I've got my all my gear on, you know, and some of the people like paint their faces. I, I don't do that. But, you know, you're like, you're all in. Like, you're a super fan. You want to see that the people that you've come to watch play have the same passion that you do and that they're all in. Like, it's not inspiring to see that person who just doesn't really care. So how does our spiritual life become that? I just don't kind of don't really care. God's looking for fans. He's looking for us who are there, who are ready to work, who are ready to be in this relationship with him and just love him with all that we are. That love, our work and our obedience flows out of love, but we can't start with work first. It starts with love. The Shema is so clear. Love him. All he wants us to do is love him with all that we are. That is a special kind of love. You know how much he loves us? Sent his son, came to die for us, gave his eternal life. He has made a way for us to have a relationship with him. His love is overflowing with us. It should be so easy to love him back, but why isn't it? It's because it begins with our hearts. Everything begins with our hearts. What's most important to you holds your heart. So this morning I'm asking you, what's most important to you? What's holding your heart and gripping your heart right now? Is it your job, your children, 
Is it your future? Is it the Lord? Is it your relationship with him? Is it the passion to live on mission for him? What is gripping your heart that there's so much of you in this that your life is consumed by? What holds your heart? What do you love most? Friends, today, let's not have a Valentine's Day love with God anymore. Let's have a 365. Yeah, we can celebrate that one day. And Sunday morning, Sunday gatherings, these is a great celebration. But are we loving him with all that we are Monday through Saturday as well? Are we going all in? Are we pushing in our chips? Are we saying, God, you're the most important thing in the entire world to me, and I will speak your name from generations to come. I will model, I will show, I will love, and my children's 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 children will know the greatness of the Lord God Almighty. I will do everything I can, Lord God, so that your name is made famous for all of eternity. That, my friends, is what true love looks like. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.